today we want to <clears throat> take a few minutes to look at the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to follow along in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. So if you will, uh, join along as we read today's passage of Scripture and uh, look uh, at a few of the truths that we find for daily living in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, let us begin with prayer. We thank you, Father, for the courage and conviction that we have because Jesus <clears throat> is our Savior and our Lord. And we are sheltered in the arms of the Good Shepherd, Jesus, who intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father even now. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of the, the Lord's Prayer. We thank you for the opportunity to use this prayer and ministry to other people to bring encouragement and to bring a fresh word from the Lord. And I pray that today we will hear a fresh word from the Lord, a word of encouragement, a word of correction, a word of challenge. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, Jesus is speaking about uh, spiritual disciplines here in Matthew chapter 6, and he is encouraging the disciples to pray with authenticity. Not that they would have repetitious prayers like some of the Pharisees or religious leaders of their day, but that they would uh, have an authentic prayer life that other people would want to emulate. And so, they asked him, how do you pray like this? And he responded by saying, uh, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Some are referred to this as the disciples' prayer because the Lord's Prayer really is in John chapter 17 where Jesus prays for his disciples and he prays for you and me. And uh, he prays that all who hear the gospel will come to know uh, Christ as their Savior and their Lord. And so oftentimes this passage here, while we call it the Lord's Prayer, is referred to as the disciples' prayer. It is also referred to as the model prayer, uh, the model prayer, meaning this is a great guideline for praying if you are looking for uh, some instruction and some coaching on, on how to pray. Uh, there's really no wrong way to pray. Uh, the only wrong thing you can do in prayer is just stop. <laughs> Uh, prayer is something that we continue to work on. It's not a spiritual discipline we ever completely uh, conquer or come to terms with, but we continue to pray. Uh, I don't know what you deal with when you pray, but mine's called ADHD. My brain's just all over the place. And to try to stay focused upon a subject or a topic when I'm praying is very difficult for me. That's one of the challenges that I have. And I was born with ADHD. Well, the model prayer helps me to stay on track and helps me to continue to pray in a way that will bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the interesting things about this prayer is how it's translated in other languages. If you were in Africa, uh, you would be saying, instead of our Father who's in heaven, you would be saying Mangu Baba. 
Mangu Baba, M-O-N-G-U, M-O-N-G-U Baba, Mangu Baba, our Father uh, who is in heaven. Jesus uses this phrase called Father in a very intimate way. And this is a radical departure from the uh, Jewish way of looking and naming God because the name of God was so holy that you didn't even say the name of God. And so they would uh, spell God G-D and leave out the O. And so uh, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus comes along and says, you can have an intimate relationship with the Heavenly Father. And you can pray in this way, our Abba, our Abba, our Father who art in heaven. And that's a very intimate term, kind of like the word dad. And so for the disciples to pray that way was a radical departure from the tradition of their time when the very name of God was not to be even spoken. So we're going to learn some things today about the Lord's Prayer, and I pray that it will bless you as we walk through this prayer. First of all, he says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. He is our Father. He is our Father. We live and breathe and move in community. There are no long ranger disciples. We live in community with each other. And God is our Father. He belongs to all who claim the name of Jesus Christ. And He is our Father in uh, community with Him. And so He is not only our Father, but He reigns sovereign in heaven. God is sovereign in charge of the world because He has created the world. It is His creation. We exist, we move, we have our being because we were brought into life and brought into existence by Holy God. Here I want to depart for a little bit and speak uh, briefly about the idea of Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, Across the Southern Baptist Convention, many uh, pastors and pulpits are emphasizing the uh, pro-life position of uh, the right to life. And it was my opportunity yesterday, as Richard mentioned earlier, to be able to participate in one of the best I have ever attended rallies for the right to life. It was very encouraging. Uh, We heard testimonies from uh, people who were uh, brought to life um, in a tragic incident called rape. And uh, she brought out the idea that uh, you hear it a lot of time in churches we're all for abortion. We're not for, for abortion, except in the case of rape or incest. And she said, had that been true when I was born, she said, I would have never come to life because my father, my biological father, raped my mother. And she said, I exist today and am here today because my mom did not get an abortion. And she brought forward this idea uh, that as awful as rape is, as awful as incest is, the child deserves to live. And I thought about that a lot, and I thought I'd bring that to you as well and, and, and ask you to consider that as a position that you would take as you think about um, the right to life. Uh, if you have the opportunity to speak to Happy Chandler, uh, he is the pastor of Rockhaven uh, Baptist Church, if you have a chance to speak to him, congratulate him. He put together that uh, program that we enjoyed yesterday. He is, uh, I believe, the secretary of the, 
or the president of the uh, Ministerial Association for uh, Meade County. And uh, he is top drawer. He, he really is. And he did a great job yesterday putting all that t together for, for us. And uh, so if you have opportunity to uh, speak to Happy Chandler, uh, as a fellow pastor in our association, we're very proud to have him around. And he did a marvelous job yesterday putting that program to, to, together. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is not only sovereign and reigning supreme, but he is holy. God is holy. Now, how is it that we can have a holy God and yet have an intimate relationship with him? How is it that we who are sinful can worship a holy God and yet have an intimate relationship with him? Because, you see, our sin repels the holiness of God. Our sin is uh, like two uh, south ends of a, of a magnet. They repel each other. Our sin repels the holiness of God. And yet the Bible says we can have an intimate relationship with God and even call Him our Heavenly Father, our Abba. How is that possible? Well, that's possible because of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus who is God who became a human being and dwelt among us and lived among us. And He died for our sins on the cross. And he is the one that has brought to us the very presence of holy God. We know who God is and we know what God is like because we have seen his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you listen to me, you're listening to the Father. If you hear the words that I speak and the words that I preach, you're listening to what the Father is saying. And so because of Jesus, the Father dwells here. Now, in the absence of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has ascended to the right hand of the throne of the Father, the Holy Spirit of God has come to dwell in every person who believes in Jesus Christ. And because of the Holy Spirit's power and presence in us, we can have an intimate relationship with Holy God. Paul said to the church at Corinth, Do you not know, do you not realize that very God dwells in you through His Holy Spirit. And it is God who wants to have a conversation with you, and we call that prayer. Prayer really is conversation. It's being with God, it's talking with God, it's listening to God. And I've come to learn also that all Bible study is an act of worship and prayer because it is the Spirit of God that is inspired the Word of God, that speaks to the people of God. And when we are praying, we're having conversation with Holy God. We can actually come into His presence and experience His power in our life through this act, this spiritual discipline called prayer. And yet He invites us to come. He already knows what we need. He already knows what our desires are. He wants to have a fellowship with us. He wants to have a conversation with us. Uh, just like a father wants to have a conversation with a child, just like a parent wants to have a conversation with their child. Uh, it, 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 it is an enriching experience for any parent to have a teenager to slow down and give them the time of day, isn't it? I mean, really. It, it's an enriching experience for a parent to say, my child has taken the time to talk with me and to open their heart to me. And, and tell me what's on, their, what's on their agenda, what's in their life, and what's going on in their life. 
And so the Heavenly Father is asking you and me to have that kind of conversation with Him. So He is our Father, we live in community, who is in heaven. He reigns sovereign and reigns supreme because He is creator of all there is. He is holy, His name is holy, and when we speak His name, we are speaking of the character of God. We are speaking of the character of God. And to know someone's name is to know their character, is to know their person. And God has revealed himself to us as the Holy Father of Heaven who has created us in his image. And so we have a personal relationship with Holy God who has revealed himself to us through his name. In verse 10, he requests that your kingdom come, your will be done. I had a friend told me one time, this is the one prayer that God always answers. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God is inviting us to pray His best for us. What God desires for us really is the best for us. The Bible says in the book of Psalm, chapter 37, verses 4 and 5, that if we delight in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart. When our heart is right with God, we desire what He desires. We want what He wants. And when we talk with the Lord, we say, Father, I want what You want more than anything else. God, I desire what You desire more than anything else. I give my testimony sometimes about how I got into the Air National Guard. I grew up wanting to fly airplanes, be in the Air Force, and uh, this is back during the Vietnam War. And the B-52s were coming over our house in North Louisiana, right out of Barksdale Air Force Base. And they were about 1,500 feet above the, above the trees. And uh, a B-52 coming over your house at 1,500 feet looks like about 500 feet above the ground. And I mean, that thing just roared over me. And as he passed by, I thought, that looks like a lot more fun than digging potatoes with my grandma here uh, <laughs> in North Louisiana. I think I want to be in the Air Force. I think I want to fly planes. And I caught the bug, and I wanted to fly, and I wanted to be in the Air Force. What I didn't know, what I did not know, was that I would not have uh, passed the uh, test. Uh, my eyes were getting bad as I got older, and uh, I had vertigo. I couldn't ride the little kiddie rides at, uh, at uh, Kings Island. You know, they go around like that. I can't ride those things. <laughs> vertigo. So I would have washed out of pilot school uh, the first day. Um, but when I was about 17, God called me to preach. And uh, I told the Lord I would do that. And I knew I would have to put on hold my dreams, what I wanted to do. And I did that. And I said, Lord, whatever you want, you want from my life, that's, that's what I'm uh, willing to do. I went on to seminary. And uh, Linda and I were married, lived in Louisiana for six years, came back to Louisville. And when I showed up at a Baptist meeting, an associational meeting of Baptist preachers, uh, someone walked up to me, he was the retired chaplain in the Air National Guard, and he said, say, we need a chaplain in the Air Guard, would you be interested? And I said, um, yeah, I think so. And so we checked it out, and sure enough, um, that was an open door, an opportunity for me. And I got to fly in that F-4 jet, I got to sit in the back seat, I've never been so sick in all my life. as when I was riding in the back seat of an F-4 jet. I crawled out of that airplane, we got back and landed in Louisville, got in my car, barely made it to my house, got on my couch, and laid there for three hours, and that couch was just going around and around and around. And I thought, I don't think I would have done well in flight school. <laughs> you know, it was a good thing I didn't, I didn't try. And so 
then they changed from the F-4 to the C-130. And the C-130 was a cargo plane that went all over the world and got to go to Europe and those kind of things. And so I had a great time doing what God wanted me to do on his schedule, on his time, when he wanted me there. And uh, being a chaplain, it was like my avocation. Uh, I was the pastor of the church up at Parkland, but uh, this avocation was like my hobby. And I got to do ministry as a hobby. And, uh, and, and I thank God for that opportunity. I, had, I led two wing commanders to the Lord. I sure did. One of them uh, was dying, and he knew he was going to die. And uh, he asked me to come to his bedside. And when I got to his bedside, Bill said, uh, Colonel Bill Leslie was his name, and he said, uh, would you preach my funeral? And I said, yes, sir, I, I'd be honored to do that. Um, it looks like uh, that's going, going to happen. He said, yeah, it's going to happen, and I want you to preach my funeral. His wife was there with, with him. And I said, sir, there's just one question I need to ask you. Are you willing to pray to invite Jesus into your life and forgive you of sin and take, take you to heaven? Are you willing to admit that you're a sinner and that you need to be for, 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 forgiven of sin? And he said, yeah, I'm willing to do that. And I prayed with him there at the hospital room and led him to the Lord. Uh, the other guy that I led to the Lord was the wing commander who hired me, to, uh, uh, General Smith. And uh, General Smith prayed to invite Christ into his life as well. And I was able to preach his uh, funeral. Those are rare, rare moments. Those are rare opportunities that your missionaries have. You know, you know your Southern Baptist chaplains are missionaries. They, they've been um, endorsed by the Home Mission Board or the North American Mission Board, we call it. And uh, they are out there on the field. There are about 5,000 chaplains uh, who are serving either in the Army, the Air Force, Navy, m uh, and also a Coast Guard. And uh, these uh, chaplains are serving in hospitals also. Uh, there's about 5,000 of us. And uh, it, it, doesn't cost them, it doesn't cost Southern Baptist a dime. Doesn't cost Southern Baptist a dime. In fact, we get paid from the <laughs> military to, 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 to serve. And uh, the TRICARE is really good too, Billy. I'll tell you, it was really worth the, really worth the time. And, um, and yet, uh, and God made all these things happen. And I tell that story to tell you this. If you're wondering what to do with your life, put it all on the altar. And just say to the Lord, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. If you will do that, God will take your life and use you uh, in places that you never anticipated. Uh, you could never uh, um, make happen uh, on your own. Those doors and opportunities you will have to be used of the Lord will be divine appointments that only God could bring about in your life. And I don't mean that everybody who says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, will be a pastor or, pr or preacher. I, I don't mean that at all. But I do mean he will fulfill your life, he will give you your heart's desires, and you will live a life of fullness, a life of blessing, a life that you will not uh, regret one bit. So I encourage you today, if you've not yet made that decision to give your life to the Lord, that you will do so. I'm looking for revival to break out just about any time in our land. You know, when life is chaotic and life is stressful, when life is hard, uh, when people are 
under the stress and, and the hardships of times, folks, that's when God brings revival. Because it causes us to get on our knees and say, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It causes us to say, I can't do this life by myself. I, I don't have what it takes to, <clears throat> to succeed. I don't have what it takes to overcome all the obstacles that I'm having to face. Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I was telling Marla and um, um, Melissa uh, earlier, I said um, the best revival I've ever heard of came out of the church that sang that song that we sang earlier about um, how great thou art and um, worshiping the Lord, um, how, how great is our God. And the revival that that came out of was in a little community in Louisiana uh, that it had some racial disturbances called Gina, Louisiana. I don't know if you all remember, but about 10, 12 years ago, um, there was a noose hung up out on the front lawn of the school there. And racial discrimination was a hot topic at that time. And uh, somebody put that noose out there. And it caused a lot of heartache and a lot of disturbance in that small town. And uh, out of that, um, one of the churches was getting ready to call a new pastor. And the interim said, let's have a revival, and then let's get ready for this new, new pastor. And so they scheduled the revival for five days. That revival lasted eight or ten weeks. And uh, it began as someone said, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Somebody came forward, a guy that worked in that town. He come forward during the invitation, and he, he got to the altar down here down front, the Lord's Supper table, you know, that's, that's usually in the front. And he reached in his pockets, and he pulled out everything he had, and he put it on that table. He said, Lord, your will be done in my life. And revival broke out. And they sang that song, How Great Is Our God, at the beginning of every service for the next eight or ten weeks. And the, the uh, attendance at that revival kept growing and growing. Um, it went way past the five days to eight or ten weeks. And um, they had different preachers to come who were available to just come, but it wasn't a scheduled evangelist. It was just whoever was available. Uh, God was in control. Revival was coming. It didn't matter who was preaching. Uh, God was in control. Revival was coming. And uh, people were going to get saved because the Holy Spirit of God was moving when people said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So God's sending revival to people who will say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are you willing to say that today? <clears throat> then he says, um, Give us this day our daily bread. God knows what you need even before you ask, but he wants you to ask. And he's conscious that you not only need the physical bread, but you need the spiritual bread as well. And if you will call upon him and ask him to supply your needs, he's going to do it. He's not the kind of God who's trying to hook you and, um, and, and, make, and embarrass you. He's the kind of God who's wanting to provide for you. He's the kind of God who has a storehouse in heaven that's willing to take care of you if you'll just say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Forgive us, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And then in verse 12, Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Um, there is a warning here about this verse of Scripture down in verse 14 and 15. Would you read that with me? 
Jesus says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions. What in the world is he talking about? This is a huge red flag. This is a huge warning for us to pay attention to. If we want the forgiveness of God, we must be willing to be a channel of forgiveness to others as well. If we're not willing to open the door of our heart and let the grace of God flow through us to other people, then we're going to be a roadblock to God's grace. That's what that verse is about. And God is wanting His people to be a channel of blessing, a channel of forgiveness to other people. And if we're not willing to be forgiving and gracious to others, then we have closed the door to God's grace and forgiveness in our life. So let us be careful here that we are willing to share with others what we desire for ourselves. And if we desire forgiveness, let us be forgiving as well. And then in verse 13, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God doesn't lead anyone to be tempted of evil. Uh, God desires that you be strong in your trials. And that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about being strong in your trials. And that your trial, the word tempted and the word trial is the same word in the Greek language. Uh, it just depends on the context. depends on how you're going to translate it. And so here uh, he's saying to us, God wants you to be strong in your trials. He is not the kind of God to lead you into temptation. Satan is the one that lures us. Satan is the one that knows our weakness. The Bible says in James that Satan uses a, a lure that we like, and he takes this lure and puts it out there. We grab a hold of it, and then we're caught. We're hooked. And uh, then he pulls us in, and he blames us, and he shames us, and we walk away uh, less of a human being than we were uh, before we were tempted. And what Jesus wants to do is give you courage and to give you conviction and to give you victory when you face trial and temptation. We are blessed that we have a Savior who was tempted just as we are, but yet did not sin. And the Bible says with every temptation, God provides a way of escape. So whatever tempts you, whatever your lure is, you, you know what it is. Nobody else may know, but you know what it is. Whatever that is, um, there is a way of escape that God gives you when you face that trial. So God wants you to be strong in your trials. He wants you to be courageous in your trials. And He is the one that wants to give you that power and give you that strength. And then you can sing the doxology, which says... For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the doxology of the Lord's Prayer here. The doxology of the Lord's Prayer. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're going to give our invitation at this point. We're going to sing a, a gospel song. And <clears throat> after we do so, we're going to give you the opportunity, or while we're singing, we're going to give you the opportunity to come. Some of you here need to rededicate your life. Some of you may want to join our church from a sister church of like faith and order. Others of you, some may be here wanting to uh, give your life to Christ, and I invite you to come. 
while we sing this song. Let's stand together and uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to look at the Lord's Prayer and, and discover again that your kingdom, when it comes, it's awesome. Uh, and that you are an awesome God providing for our needs according to your riches and glory. And that, that we can say and sing this doxology, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.